0: This is the Data Center Frontier Show, where we tell the story of the data center industry and its future. Our show is hosted by Rich Miller, the editor of Data Center Frontier. And now here's Rich with our show. Hi,
1: everybody. Thanks for joining us today on the Data Center Frontier Show. We're glad you could all come. My guest today is J.D. Enright, the president, CEO, and chairman of TMG Core. Uh, J.D., welcome to the show.
2: Thank you very much. Uh, uh, Thanks for having me. This is a great venue. I've seen these before, and you always have really great participants and uh, and
1: good content. Well, as you know, I think there's uh, lots to talk about in the data center (laughs) industry these days. Describe TMG Core and, and what you guys do. They, it, you address the, the needs of a lot of sort of data intensive computing. Uh, but what, what's, the, what's the idea driving the business and who do you help?
2: Um, so we're, with, we, you know, we're called the we call ourselves the home of immersion. You know? um, and we do two phase and single phase immersion cooling. We look at the immersion, the thermal aspect, we look at the hardware. Um, we look at the fluid aspects. we you know because those those are the fundamental things. the fluids, the actual machine itself, um, you know that facilitates the either single phase or two phase process. and then there's the hardware that goes into it. And then there's the software. You get the software on top of it that has to be developed and written in, in the interface in order to make it all usable, right? You know you need a steering wheel and you need a a, a, a odometer to drive your car. and now it's all you know computerized now today. But um, you need that software to operate the vehicle. It's the same way. So we do that in-house. So TMG Core is a, is a solutions company, it's focused on immersion cooling, both single phase and two-phase, specifically for high performance computing applications. We don't get into low computing applications. We don't we're just, it doesn't make sense um, for us to do that. We only focus on really high performance computing, things that are 350 watts and above per, you know, on on uh, you know, power, power configurations for, say, GPUs and CPUs and things like that, or ASICs, for example, used in AI machine learning and or Bitcoin mining. That's what we do.
1: There's a lot of interesting things going on with cooling these days. The data center industry historically has been driven by air cooling, where people get cold air and run it uh, through the servers and keep it cool, there's been a, a lot of refinement in terms of how people manage airflow with containment and such uh, to make uh, it as efficient as possible. It's been a really uh, major driver in reducing the power that's used in IT equipment. As these, uh, these, these new chips you describe, the ASICs, particularly the GPUs from NVIDIA that you see used for AI and, uh, uh, and gaming workloads, for example, Uh, They generate a lot of heat. As a result, people have had a lot of difficulty cooling them with the traditional air uh, technologies. Uh, So there's a lot of focus now on liquid cooling. But at the same time, it's sort of a big change for folks in terms of how they think about and operate their their data centers. Where do you think we're at in terms of uh, the need for immersion as a sort of a next step in handling density
2: it's been a challenge it's been a real challenge to get people to think away you know differently as long as the integrated circuit has been around we've had to figure out a way to cool it right or it's going to overheat and catch fire and you know burn the building down or whatever it is right so or just not work and for 20 30 40 whatever many years it's been you know there's been a lot of folks that have been have been have become experts and and put food on the table and and you know develop the careers and there's college courses about thermal management and airflow and there's, there's software <laughs> written you know, tracking all of that infrastructure that has been built around air cooling and related activities right so hot aisle containment I think is one of the things you you know, led to rear door heat exchange stuff. Um, it's just air it's radiators and it's it's pushing air right that's a lot of years of infrastructure and people and who are invested and committed and depend on that industry and so when you come along and say potentially threaten that and i'm not suggesting that you know everybody's against it i'm not that's not what i'm saying i think we're seeing a significant change in the mindset of people out of necessity to your point there's a certain point where you just have to change. Either that or you stifle the, the innovation and you, you know, you stop doing healthcare better or you know, or curing disease, or making planes safer, or having better national defense. It's either you evolve or you die, right? You become like a dinosaur. We are at that inflection point now. We're Our technology, the technology that we're discussing right now, and uh, the immersion uh, cooling—not to be confused with liquid cooling, because there's different, right? There's directed chip and which are great technologies and all that. But bath immersion cooling is where where we focus on single two-phase. It's still very early in its life cycle uh, because there are bridge technologies. A lot of really smart boys and girls out there are making. In, you know, doing innovation and in, in air movements and things like that, and they're getting things cheaper, and companies like Eaton and Snyder and all those guys are working hard to, to figure that out. Cool IT with direct chip and, and a number of other folks, you know, working hard, right, to do that, to pull that together. Now, it, it, there becomes a diminishing return where it gets too expensive, or you're using too many resources, because there's a lot of pressure on environmental, there's a lot of pressure on financial, especially in today's market, where you look at you know there's some real challenges in the financial market today and supply chain for that matter right so on all these motors and fans and you know components and all the things that go along with that there is a lot of pressure now and there's an inflection point to get to something that is a little bit more environmentally friendly um, more efficient uses less stuff and can go in places that you can't necessarily take some of the, those other things because you have to have a whole host of other things crack units or you know, circulation pumps or whatever. The idea of getting denser, faster, better, more efficient, more ESG focused is starting to really come in. Now, the challenges faced with there is you know, that early adoption, that transfer of time, and there's a period of time, like in, you know, in any data center right. where where you have this three to five years, you're basically doing a change out, right? You're doing a you know end of life of some equipment. You're going to the next phase, and so we're starting to see where we've got enough traction on the infrastructure on this type of technology, like TMG Core has developed, and you're seeing end of life on some other stuff. You're getting pressure on the ESG side of things, you're getting pressure on cost of electricity and size, and wanting to get compute closer to the end user for lower latency applications. You know, whether it's for you know AI or, or autonomous vehicles or 5G or whatever you're talking about you're starting to see a lot more pressure there coming together and that adoption's happening, but you've got to have folks, the early adopters willing to put that money up because it, it, there is infrastructure costs associated with that. Right. However, once you've done that, you're you, you've got a much longer runway in this type of technology, because now you can develop things that, I mean, imagine running an 11,000 watt one U server that is a hybrid right things that we're talking to and working on right now you know something that's the size of an eight and a half eleven you know piece of paper it's a you know basically a you know, something like this that is you know almost as flat as that where you've got fpga a6 gpu cpus all on one you know wafer as it were designed to be born in liquid and you can eliminate all of that's coming, we're not there yet.
1: When innovation comes along, folks always want to see it running in somebody else's data center first, right? <laughs> uh, rather before they want to, because it's mission critical. You mm-hmm. know, uh, it's the old thing about uh, nobody ever got got fired for buying IBM or whatever. I mm-hmm. think there's there are technologies that are, people have been working with for a long time and feel very safe with. At the same time, clearly, The needle is moving pretty significantly on both density and ESG and sustainability. And I wanted to ask uh, quickly about sort of two customer sets that have kind of been out there. One is is the hyperscale customers who have traditionally kind of been uh, a jumping off point for new technologies in the data center sector. Google, Microsoft, whoever will implement something new going all the way back to warmer air temperatures in in the, the, the data hall. And when people see that, that nothing blows up, that they're able to perfect the, the technique in a working data center, then other folks start to take a look at it. Uh, we're starting to see some of the uh, hyperscalers talk publicly about immersion cooling, uh, both on being able to solve density and performance problems and as a boost to sustainability particularly in regards in some markets the use of water is a real issue for data centers is is that starting to move the needle in the conversations you're having is seeing you know large uh, hyperscale companies say hey we think this is something that could be the future
2: yeah it's a great question and it's a really interesting ecosystem so it's the microsofts and it's the googles and it's the in the amazons of the world that are actually, they are aggressively going after it and they're spending time and money to do that. Now, one of the collateral effects to that is they have to have something to put in it, right? It's not just, so there's this, one of the challenges I'm seeing and have seen in those large organizations is one, they're large organizations. Oftentimes what happens is the right hand doesn't know what the left hand doing. So you've got these really great innovation teams you know, looking at in the lab somewhere in the basement that's doing these great things, and they're, you know, yay, and that they're showing the value. And that gets turned into some commercial POC, where they're reaching out to us, and we're helping help them develop that and understand it better, helping them with a the business case, that they can then take it to the next step um, and get some visibility on the executive side, right? And then all of a sudden, you know, they're having to justify, and not, to your point, the risk. You know, well, we've got a big contract with the government or with this company or this customer, and you know, what is the downtime? and what, So they have to start scaling t- to a point where they can scale, show the business case. But at the same time that's happening, they're thinking about, okay, well, okay, let's assume we adopted this technology. Let's right. assume we did that, right? We're the early adopters. We're the 800-pound gorilla in the, in the industry. Once we go down this road, the whole world is going to move, likely going to see that it's safe, to your point, they can feel warm and fuzzy, they're not going to lose their job, the customers are going to to have the the 99.99, whatever it is, right, uptime requirements set by the the industry. Listen to all that happens. At the same time, they have to, because we're having conversations, make sure that the ecosystem that's going to supply them with the materials... Because a lot of these companies, like for just take Microsoft, they're not in the manufacturing business per se
1: right.
2: of liquid immersion cooled systems. They want a partner or partners, because uh, they won't single source justify anything that can actually sustainably over the long term produce these things. If they're going to invest a billion dollars over the next three years or whatever four years in investing in these types of hybrid data centers
1: that has embraced uh, immersion cooling in a large way is a little bit different, which is a uh, cryptocurrency. I know you've got some familiarity with the uh, customer set there, uh, partly because they came in with a newer technology. Uh, initially, uh, some of them used traditional data centers, but after a while, they kind of made their own way. So nowadays, crypto facilities are very different in, in some ways from the traditional data centers. But the thing that they've done is a number of these companies have implemented immersion cooling at significant scale. They've got very large facilities uh, running on immersion uh, and showing that for the purposes that they're using it for it. It, uh, uh, it seems to work uh, really well and, and offer a lot of advantages. What's your, what's your experience with uh, uh, the crypto community's use of immersion and uh, how uh, has that helped in terms of helping uh, the larger market understand the effectiveness and, uh, and safety of the technology?
2: Interesting question. So th- there's a lot to unpack there. Interesting thing is there was a time, so, so TMZ Corp, myself and some of my co-founders, back in 20, late 2017 or 2018, we developed a five megawatt two-phase immersion cooling system for cryptocurrency, period. It was an ASICS-driven thing. It was the first thing we ever developed. And the reason why we developed it was because the ASICS chips are really, really hot. And we wanted to prove our tech. And we just said, hey, we can mine crypto at the same time and make some money to offset the costs. We had always planned on going towards GP, more traditional x86 stuff for data centers and edge-based computing. However, it was a means to an end. We understand the crypto world very well because we started there. We, we came into the crypto out of request because they understood we knew immersion. We understand immersion. And because we are a buttoned up enterprise type commercial company that's been fully vetted. and you know, I mean, Deloitte audits our financials, right? That, you know, we're not building stuff in a garage and our customers matter. We have government contracts. Our customers matter. We cannot fail. We have to have service and warranty and software and all those things. Bringing that to the crypto market was very unique. And so that was one of the things. So with these companies, like I said, that are traded on the market and Nasdaq and others, they want to be participating like the Googles and and the Amazons and the the Dells and the Intels and the Microsofts of the world with like-minded companies that are buttoned up that do have those controls, financial controls, manufacturing quality systems, lean Six Sigma manufacturing practices uh, at the end of the day who are going to be here. Uh, They want that same relationship. So for us, We developed it because they were asking for something like that. We put our engineering and our science and our manufacturing capabilities behind that uh, to create something we call CryptoCore. And CryptoCore is a a holistic single phase system, um, tank, fluid, heat exchanger, pumps, software, all that control for demand response to be responsive to the electrical grid which is a big thing in crypto mining right now you right. They, they want to be able to, to respond to be the battery to the you know that create that security on the on the grid crypto miners can can provide uh, you don't necessarily get that with data centers because right. they can't shut down their workload but you can get that now historically uh, crypto miners have been gamblers they were building they put it in a container and getting it done (laughs) you know air cooling was okay and they would burn up and change the fan (laughs) and those days are over man so so you know they they've got to be compliant and all of these other things that you know go along with it Uh, and that you know ulce certified they want to do it better faster cheaper more reliably more sustainable with an esg focus environmental and feed be able to you know focus on demand response
1: Yeah, that industry has really, uh, in a lot of ways, gone from the Wild West to these industrial scale facilities, really. And um, as you mentioned, I'm aware you've got an enclosure that's sort of optimized for cryptocurrency. You've got other enclosures that are very much for HPC and um, AI kind of computing. One of the things about your form factor that's been really interesting is that it also creates possibilities for edge computing. Uh, in that you can do smaller, larger, and uh, the edge application is interesting because one of the things about immersion and uh, you know operating a, a the, the tank is that you know you're not cooling an entire data hall, you're not cooling a, an entire building. You can have a much more focused infrastructure. So as people look at edge cases that generally require you know, smaller form factors. You can't build a a ginormous data center, obviously. It seems to have opened the doors to uh, a new application for immersion cooling to solve some of the challenges that are kind of unique to operating on the edge remote away from things. What's your take on the edge opportunity? I
2: love the term the edge. Um, I don't define it. We we here at Team G-Core decided a number of years ago that it, you know, if you sit around a table, even today, and with with some folks, and you say define the edge, they're all going to be completely different, right? <laughs> right. Everybody's edge is somebody else's non-edge, I guess. And then there's things like OTE, over the edge. What is that? Well, that's a mobile application. Okay, so the edge is moving. Okay, it's a movable edge. Okay, so what we decided was we don't do the we don't we don't define the edge. We let our customers define what their edge is, and we go there. We don't care because our systems can go anywhere. To your point. And so, so, where do I see? I love the I love the use of the word edge, because it's basically microcomputing, right? So you've got these micro nodes. the 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 idea, and I'm a listen. I, I'm a secret crypto fan, not because of it, you know it, it's business, but more so because I like the idea of a of a secure currency, right? A deflationary, decentralized, distributed network, right? Um, that's hard to for bad actors to to take over. If you take the same idea of computing and you have a decentralized distributed nodal network, right, pops out there um, of various sizes. So we do a lot of research in the market. We look at, we talk to customers, we governments and commercial folks and, and individuals, civilians, whatever. And one of the things we realize is that we, you know, we really think that the market on the edge computing is really somewhere between five and say 50 kw. Right, that's that's the edge, and so you're talking about small units that can literally, you know, be in a trailer, on a truck, on the back of a vehicle that can go, move, and be flexible. Smaller units that are on, you know, underneath an AT and T tower or Verizon tower, or whatever, or you know, sitting on the side of the road, you know, in you know, hiding in plain sight, you know, 10 kW, you know, things that you know are supporting all of that data collection and then also the aggregation and processing there so that you get as near zero latency computing for rendering and all of these things that are critical to the future of smart city applications and and just a better quality of life in general that, that's where we see the you know where that's where we're going we're developing products specifically for that i don't really see a giant future for massive hyperscale you know two phase single phase immersion systems i don't until until such time as we have things that are born in liquid, i.e., the hardware is born in liquid, which is you know number of years away. It's in it's it's happening. Right. And by the time it's 20 million dollars, I, I was talking to Dell folks, you know, it's 20 million dollars to produce anything new, right? And that's no guarantee that's gonna sell. So and it takes three, two to three years to develop. So, you know, until we have that, I, I really think where we win, we as the immersion industry, um, the cooling industry is really on edge types of applications, the customer defines the edge, and the ability to take smaller units. I mean, imagine a company like WeWork, right? Right. WeWork, they were SoftBank, they're a SoftBank portfolio company. They were gonna go $40 billion SPAC three years ago, collapse, trying to figure out, change a few CFOs and CEOs around. Um, They're trying to figure out how, how to make money. They're like a REIT, effectively, a real estate investment trust. They don't own the property for the most part, but they're in great locations and they have a great concept of doing office spaces and things like that. Now, they were trying to figure out and struggling, how are they going to make money, right? How do they make money on that, this competition, whatever? Well, imagine if you turn one of those office spaces and they've got thousands of them in great locations around the country into a pop. Now Now you can charge more money for your office space because now you can become a computing node. And you can have companies like who do high, you know, high high software load rendering for for oil and gas, for CGI for movies, or whatever it is. You can sell by the drink to your community around you as a pop for for K through twelve universities, research, military, uh, with other applications. So they can get they can partner up with companies like Microsoft on the Azure or or AWS on their cloud and have a localized pop. And get paid for for all of the power that goes across all of the computing that goes, you know, as a digital toll booth, for example, you know, for dispersive uh, networking. So there's a huge opportunity there that as a re you're selling six dollars a square foot, now you can sell it for twenty five dollars a square foot and become and actually get into the data center space to right. compete against some of these other companies.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think there's some uh, really interesting uh, ways in which. The emergence of uh, computing will change both large cities and smaller cities. We're definitely seeing more interest in second-tier markets right now, largely because of the constraints that we're seeing in the largest data center markets. One of the things that, that uh, I was most impressed with when you guys launched was that TMG Core developed uh, a robotic system mm-hmm. to help manage racks which I'd never seen anything like that before. And, you know, it's something that comes up for folks who manage immersion cooling. It's like, well, you're dunking it in fluid, and, and what's it going to be like for the staff? Uh, and you guys uh, developed a robotic system that could do the job. So uh, maybe explain to our listeners how that worked and, uh, and where that came from.
2: Yeah, that's, yeah, it's the first time, I guess, anybody had ever seen anything like that. And maybe the last, who knows, but, because <laughs> it was not inexpensive to develop, um, but it was, it was wonderful. It's gotten a lot cheaper now uh, that we've taken next generation stuff, but that came out of necessity, quite frankly. Um, that's, you know, me in twenty in late 2018, early 2019, standing on top of the tank at 3 o'clock in the morning, lifting up a you know 120-pound server because the server is a 16-GPU. That's when they had the uh, the, uh, the V100s instead of the A100s now. But right. the V100s, we had a 6,700-watt server that we designed with NVIDIA and ourselves and some other folks. We did that in-house to show that you could be done. You could actually put 6,700 watts in a one-year server and 16 GPUs and two NVIDIA, te- uh, I'm sorry, two um, Intel Xenon plat- Platinum uh, CPUs which we unveiled at the supercomputer in 19. I think you re- remember that. Thank but you. I'm sitting there on top and, and I'm like, this isn't working, guys. I, I'm a strong guy, but you know, but that's not ergonomic. Yes, the technology is great. And yes, we get this incredibly dense, wonderful server that's going to solve you know lots of problems. I don't want to be standing over this damn tank you know, and, and lowering. And nobody else does want to do And we're we going to use like a hand chain or something like that. It dawned on us very quickly because we built the physical models. We did the actual work. We designed it and then built the prototypes and we failed and we failed fast. And so we realized, hey, we can do something. We can, an industrial type of robotic system that isn't that expensive and it's not, that we can get volumes of and we allow, we let that do that. And by the way, now it becomes a lights out application. Right. So now you're lowering costs on operations. And so so we we set to work. It wasn't easy, like anything is when you're starting out and innovating. But uh, when we unveiled that at SuperCute 19, that was a differentiator. And it still is today. And it works remarkable. Now, we had to write the software. So it made right. more complexity. So we had to develop that. But it's just doing it. And so now we have a system that eliminates the need for having to lift servers Especially the heavy, dense servers that are soon to be born in liquid, and it's an n plus two configuration, so you can literally it, it can operate while it, it, while it's being maintained, and vice versa, you know, in the field, and you can forget about it, and it's self healing. So we wrote the, the the logic control, the PLC system, so that it it detects the degradation of performance of, of the of the server, um, and you can you can set it so that it defaults to what we consider a, a degradation or you can manually code it up and we can set the parameters it could be power efficiency it could be you know networking speeds all of those things and so it self-heals so it says hey there's a problem here um, and that that was that was a, a benefit of and you couldn't do that without the robotic system of course we had to design a backplane that had the the power and the networking whether it's InfiniBand or whatever on the backplane so that it would just snap in so you don't have to have a Again, someone up there plugging all the network cables in.
1: Well, that, that's one of the things that I thought was impressive about the system when I saw it, was that uh, you'd really thought through all of the uh, the obstacles to making something like that work and and engineered some uh, solutions that could uh, make it possible. I love those kind of uh, stories where folks are pushing the envelope in, in new directions. And, and uh, at TMG Core, you do a lot of that. I wanted to ask just about the future of TMG Core. You, you know, are uh, sort of tracking and helping people with all sorts of uh, advanced technologies. Uh, what's ahead for, for TMG Core and the markets that it's working on?
2: We ask that question all the time. You know, it's like, what is our strategy? Where we are going? Right now, we're focusing going on deep and not wide. So we go deep into those customers we're working with right now whether it be the government folks, we have contracts with every branch of the military right now. We have contracts with you know, you know, some of the intelligence agencies and things like that as well for national defense. So we're, we're staying focused on those. We don't want to get pulled too far apart. And so we're really going deep with the, in, in those specific applications. We're developing some really interesting tech specifically for those applications. And, uh, and they're funding us to do that, which is great. And then on the commercial side, We're focusing on the crypto stuff on the single phase, and we're focusing on working with those those early adopters on the two-phase things in the POCs. There is not a large-scale two-phase market today. There isn't. It's just not there. We're not getting orders for hundreds of two-phase edge boxes and autos um we are getting orders for two or one or and it's going to a lab and it's being used to develop their hardware and determine that there's this really something that they want to do and and the ecosystem and and they're going through that process now and so we'll, we'll continue to do that and that's our focus but that's going deep and not wide you know we're primarily focused on north america and because of you know all of the related import and export and all of the things that you have to have in place to do that uh, we're focusing on making sure, because we do all of our manufacturing here in Texas, and, it's, and we're, we do it in-house, and, and we have partners here in Texas that also do some of the bending of the steel and welding, and we do all the assembly here. We designed our own PDU. We focus on our, 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 our portfolio of IP, so we're focusing on IP. So we're going deep in what we're in now. We're not going broader. We're not creating a whole bunch of new stuff or trying to solve everybody's problems. We're, we're staying focused on those things.
1: As you know, I, I always enjoy our conversations because uh, you guys are always thinking a little bit differently. And I love the innovation mindset that you have and, and your team at TMG Core uh, uh, really exhibits. So I appreciate uh, very much your your time and a uh, good look uh, going forward. And uh, uh, thank you for being on the show.
2: Thank you very much. I, I really enjoy, I always enjoy chatting with you. You're a very knowledgeable guy. I mean, you, you're in the space, this is what you do.
1: Thanks again to JD, and thank you to all of our listeners for tuning in. We appreciate your time uh, listening to the Data Center Frontier Show, where we tell the story of the data center industry, one podcast at a time.
0: Thanks for listening to the Data Center Frontier Show. You can find the show notes for this episode at datacenterfrontier.com slash podcast, including links to the resources Rich has mentioned. Be sure to subscribe to the Data Center Frontier show at Apple iTunes, Spotify, or where you find your podcasts. If you enjoyed this show, please tell your friends or share about it on your social channels. You can always find us on the web at datacenterfrontier.com and follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Until next time,